This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, welcome to Sustainable-ish and the second in this special mini-series of podcast episodes with Organic UK to mark and to celebrate Organic September. Now, I think most of us are quite familiar, aren't we, with the concept of organic food and maybe even organic textiles, but, and I'm speaking for myself here, Maybe we don't really have that great a handle on what it actually means. Is organic a legal definition? What does it mean if a product is organic? Is it just about pesticides? Is organic really any better for me and the planet? Well, in this episode, there's a brilliant expert panel to answer all of those questions and more. I am joined by Lee Holdstock from the Soil Association, Harriet O'Regan from Organic UK and Guy Singh Watson from Riverford and they have joined me around my virtual kitchen table for a cuppa and we dived into all things organic. Even as someone who gets an organic veg box and regularly seeks out organic produce in the supermarket, I'm not sure I'd have been able to explain the benefits to friends and family in a particularly articulate or persuasive way. But I hope that after listening to this episode, we'll all feel like we have a greater understanding of what exactly organic means and the role it has to play in the health of the planet and feeding the world. And maybe we'll be tempted to just swap one thing out from our supermarket shop this month and replace it with an organic one. Enjoy. Well, welcome everybody to this special episode of the Sustainable-ish podcast. Really excited to have you all here. We're going to be digging into all things organic. So let's kick off with a round of introductions. I'm just going to go in the order that I can see you on my screen. So Lee, do you want to kick off, let us know who you are and who you're representing today and what they do? Hi, Jen. Yeah, um, my name's Lee Holdstock. I'm the Senior Business Development Manager at Soil Association Certification. So we're, we're supporting Organic UK. We're, we're part of that collective of organisations wanting to clarify and demystify what organic is. Uh, and I specifically am involved in the certification side of organic and, and working with businesses who, who are organic or who have organic product offers uh, to help them grow, uh, grow their business and grow the sector. So tell us a little bit about the, the Soil Association and kind of how it started and, and what it actually does, because it sounds like it's something for gardeners, the Soil Association. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, actually, you may be surprised to know that we're well over 70 years old as an wow. organisation. We started in 1946 as a, a kind of group of luminaries and thinkers came together who had this sort of common uh, idea or observation that they felt that, that the health of people and animals and plants were related to the health of the soil and that there was this sort of link that runs through the lot. And I think as we, you know, we've gone into the further into to the rest of the century into 21st century we've kind of come to realize how how ahead of their time they were mm. today we're, we're still a campaigning organization uh, and we're campaigning uh, we have membership we we have an awful lot of activity right from forestry uh, through to school dinners uh, so if there's an issue surrounding uh, land use products from land use and how they impact on environment, wildlife, animal welfare, you can be sure the sort of association are engaged in some way. So our, our kind of strategy moving into uh, the next year is, is around restoring health, restoring nature and addressing the climate emergency. 
Uh, and I work for a subsidiary of that organisation. So we are kind of two organisations. Uh, and that part is, a, is a, the UK's leading certifier of organic products. So, so we're quite unique in the respect that when we certify, we obviously charge businesses for that. But we gift aid a big chunk of the money that we make to our parent charity to keep campaigning and, and lobbying and keep the issues alive in both the sort of trade, policy, government and public sphere. Yeah, I hadn't realised what a sort of um, how big that campaigning arm really was. I think we we probably when we see the Soil Association logo, we would all recognise it because I think it's something we're used to seeing as part of organic certification and things. But I I kind of hadn't realised all that other stuff you're doing around, like you said, school dinners and stuff like that. So and your website is just there's so much on there, isn't there, in terms of um, organic and and nature and biodiversity and stuff. And you've done some great um, research and things as well, haven't you, in terms of the Absolutely. organic wider quite and i think the research uh, work that we collaborate with academics can range from anything to do with nutrients uh within organically grown products exploring whether they're different from non-organic right through to some of the you know, intricacies of animal welfare how animals react and, and what the outcomes are for their welfare and health in different management scenarios so we are an incredibly broad organization and, and you're right to allude to the sort of school dinner side our so-called food for life uh, partnership where you know we have an award for schools which uh, rewards kind of healthy eating freshly prepared dinners and we're serving well over two million meals every single working day wow. now under that scheme in hospitals schools many public settings so you know, food good food should be a right not a privilege so mm. we, we like to address this issue of good food and the system that it comes from very very broadly and of course we're you know not just food textiles come from farming yes. so do uh, so health and beauty products uh, and and indeed our forestry products come from land use so they're all interconnected and related and relevant for us and you guys are involved in the certification of those other things as well of textiles and um those things yeah, of course. Yeah, in fact, we are one of the leading organisations globally in terms of developing new standards. So we're, for example, a one quarter owner of the Global Organic Textile Standard, oh, wow. which I was privileged to be personally involved in over 20 years ago when it was first formed. And we, we felt that there should be a joint approach with organic bodies globally uh, if, we're, if we're not going to drift off in lots of different directions. And today that's a standard which is followed by literally thousands of operators mm. around the world in the textile and fashion industry amazing brilliant thank you so much harriet over to you follow that <laughs> well i know i don't think i can but um yeah so i'm harriet o'regan um, i'm marketing director for the organic trade board so that's an organization of brands suppliers businesses farmers certifiers such as lee um and um and growers uh, all kind of together working together to sort of promote organic essentially um that organization of is full of fantastic people who really want to make a difference and understand the role that organic can play so i'm privileged to be part of in the kind of marketing effort that we're putting together I also uh, my day job is working in the in the dairy industry and promoting organic as part of that I'm also Yorkshire based mum of two who's a new guru of you uh, Jen I've read your book over the summer um, and it's really that it's you're you're responsible for me getting caught uh, digging through my bin and picking up litter on my morning run so it's all your fault I'm so proud <laughs> <laughs> hence why it's lovely to be here oh brilliant thank you harriet um and guy people probably won't need any introduction to you but riverford is a household uh, sort of name and brand but can you for any listeners uh, international listeners or anything like that can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about riverford i'm a farmer's son i started uh, growing organic vegetables 33 years ago on my uh, parents farm uh, just on a very small scale uh, and over that periods, three decades, you know, it's grown into a business employing a thousand people and delivering 70,000 veg boxes a week. You know, we work with a cooperative of local farmers, which I helped to uh, found 20 something years ago, uh, but also growers abroad. Yeah, we're 100% organic and do our best to encourage people to eat with the seasons and think about the, the impact of the decisions, purchasing decisions they make around food and yeah so that's that's about it we became employee owned um two years ago so i i am slowly withdrawing from what has become quite a large business and and going back to being a farmer which is what i prefer doing on the whole getting your hands dirty again yeah <laughs> brilliant perfect thank you everyone so i guess the first question to start off with is like what is organic i said to you guys before we started recording i think lots of us feel 
like we're quite familiar with the word and we're maybe we vaguely have an idea in our heads of what it means but I think if I was pinned down and asked to give a definition or I, I would probably struggle so Lee as you're kind of certifying person do you want to uh, sort of let us kick us off with that one i think the, probably the best place to start and the most simplest message is, is a method of agriculture it's a way of farming i mentioned that we as an organization sort association began in 1946 I mean, that wasn't a coincidence we were at the end of the second world war this was really the beginning of, of what people refer to now as the sort of chemicalization of agriculture we needed to feed europe we didn't want to have to go back into rationing if mm. we shut our borders again so the common agricultural policy eventually uh, came along and it encouraged farmers to you know, make their field sizes bigger use uh, this new be part of this new chemical revolution and really Really to increase their yields at any cost. Mm. And right back then, the, the founders of the Soil Association were concerned about this. They were concerned about the impact on, on soils, on the environment, on wildlife. So um, they began to sort of codify an approach over the many years. And, and by 1973, we, we had a, a first set of rules in the Soil Association, giving a guidance really to farmers and, and being able to show consumers that they were, you know, the pound in their pocket was a vote for mm. a product from this this system, this different system. So it isn't just about, uh, you know, not using chemicals. It's broader than that. It's a system approach which tries to bring back balance, harness nature, harness the resilience of nature. You know, it's a system that's evolved for 1.6 billion years. It's very efficient. It's got a lot of answers. The organic sort of approach is a, a bit of that, working with nature. It's a stewardship thing. It's about handing the land over to our, our children and great-grandchildren in a fit state. It's about taking responsibility. So, yeah, not just a sort of no synthetic pesticide mm -hmm. farming, much more than that. And is there a legal definition? So can anybody say that their fruit and veg or their cotton or whatever is, is organic? Is there a, a legal definition of it? As of, as of 1991, yes. So Soil Association took the lead, but there was a European regulation that came along in 1991. From that point on, uh, depending on what language you're, you're working in, the word organic in some countries is bio or erco, oco. This became a defined marketing term. If you used it when you were referring to the way that your food was grown, that's if you were alluding to that farming system, then yeah, you had to have full, uh, fully follow that regulation, which involves having uh, an inspection uh, and having certification. And that runs right from farm to fork. Yeah, um, because I think that's one of the maybe sort of scepticisms is people think, well, it's not a, a legal definition and anyone can just sort of make a badge and slap it on and, and say that it's organic and, and charge a bit more for it. Do you know, whereas actually, so what you're saying is if anybody's making any kind of claims that their their growing methods are organic, they have to have the certifications and the processes in the background to to sort of back that up yes it's a big fat rule book uh, <laughs> and uh, and i know that that is you know that's a challenge for some farmers to begin with who get into organic who go through the two-year conversion period you know those rules have been created and crafted very carefully lots of consultation over many many years and, and they are really they're really important that uh, there is something there, as I say, which is codified, which is is uh, a clear, common definition. Yeah. So consumers can can you know hone in on it. They know that they're backing uh, a defined approach, uh, not just a, a a sort of free floating marketing term yes. when they see organic. Yeah. And Harriet, the Organic Trade Board sort of campaign at the moment is "Nature Has the Answer," isn't it? And that's so interesting in the the two podcasts I've recorded so far with um, Buckley's Bees and with Tim from Yo Valley have been that theme has just come through so strongly in terms of you know we we haven't invented a better pollinator than the bee we haven't invented a better um, carbon sequester than sort of trees and grass and things like that so that sort of sums up really that whole thing that Lee was saying about it's a much more holistic approach rather than we might just think it's no pesticides it's actually that much more encompassing nature approach yeah absolutely and I, I think that's that's partly the thing in, in the last maybe 10 years or so organic in one hand has had so many things you can say about it that are positive we've almost struggled to be single-minded about making it easy for people to understand right, because yeah. there's so many good things about it but you're absolutely right at the heart of it it's about saying you know nature is incredible let's farm in a way that is working with nature not against it and I for me that's the simplest and most easy way to think about it and that's why we've been able to you know use that and, and help people understand organic in that very simple way you know I remember when I first went to see 
obviously an organic farmer and, and got into organic and understood what it was. And I thought I was going to be told all about the standards and he was going to go through a big list mm. with me and tell me about what chemicals he didn't use and what he did with his, with his cows and animals. And, and we did get into that, don't get me wrong. But initially he said, you know, it was just when I decided to go organic, it was literally just like taking my glasses off mm. and I could see more broadly my responsibility and the kind of the broader, bigger thing about this system of farming and how we're working with nature. And, and that always stuck with me. And that for me helps me to kind of understand it. And, you know, I'm not the scientist that Lee is to understand every single detail, but I think it is at this very basic level. It's about working with nature. And actually by doing that, we can have an agriculture system that actually supports and, and helps the, the, the climate crisis that we're facing. Yeah, definitely. So Guy, when you started, it sounds like organic wasn't even a legally defined term. So did you just make a decision to farm holistically or how did that all come about? Yeah, I moved in that direction fairly quickly. I guess drawn by the possibility of it being a growing market at that time and my sort of um, philosophical commitment to it came later. I suppose also, you know, driven by the uh, desire to avoid exposing myself in a very selfish way to pesticides. I'd sprayed my father's mm. barley as a teenager, being careless and made myself sick. And, and as a matter of fact, my brother had just come out of hospital with parapet poisoning. So, you know, I had wow. pretty good reason to, you know, to have to make that selection of which chemicals put on your crop with skulls and crossbones on all of them I mean it was actually a great relief not to have to think about it in many yeah. ways so yeah that, the sort of philosophy which um, Harriet was speaking about is something which which grew on me later and I, I see it happening with many farmers you know over three decades you know who you know when you do accept that you are part of nature as opposed to sitting on top of it and imposing mm. something which is you know normally quite alien it, it does open your eyes, you know, and you start looking at nature in, in a whole different way. And, and, you, and you want, you find quite quickly, you know, you want to be sympathetic to it. It pains you when you drive across the land in the wrong conditions and destroy the structure or when you mow a meadow and, you know, it's a carnage of insects and frogs and yeah. toads and so oh, on. You just, you find, you yeah. suddenly you just find you, you don't want to do that. You know, there's a sensitivity comes you know, we're told by the marketeers that we have to sell organic on the you know, benefits of being pesticide free and maybe a bit of animal welfare, maybe flavour. But uh, it, it's very frustrating because, you know, really, I mean, I think, again, as Harriet was saying, it's so complex and it mm. is it sounds wishy washy. And but it is it is actually a philosophy that, you know, we cannot we have to live within the constraints of our planet. that We can't just keep on taking more and more and, and not putting things back. Yeah. And how have you seen attitudes to organic change over that time, both within the farming community and, I guess, public perception as well? You know what? Not hugely. Oh, really? It's just been a steady, steady growth. I mean, every food scare that comes along tends to make people look for alternatives and they mm. often turn to organic because, let's face it, in 30 years, there have been many attempts to introduce different standards, you know, nature friendly or whatever, all the supermarkets have tried it and whatever, but organic is the only one that stood the test of time as being reliable, you know, as being enforceable, as being legally defined. It's actually the only one, you know, really that means anything to my mind. In my latter years, I'm finding that I, I actually want to go beyond that. You know, I, I, you know the, the great weakness of organic, I'm, I'm afraid, is that a lot of us, particularly in the vegetable sector, you know, which is largely what I do, we cultivate the soil excessively and it's very hard to get away from that. And that's something which I, I find myself really torn by. You know, to, to plough a field is actually a violent act and it's one that you, you, know, you really should be trying to find alternatives to and you know that's that's I think the great challenge that we face now with you know increasingly extreme uh, rainfall events mm. uh, threatening our soils uh, you know we've really got to find uh, a way of farming with less bare soils. And, and are there alternatives I know um, Tim when I spoke to him was talking about you know sort of no-till these terms and 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 obviously they have a lot of livestock as well so they have this sort of rotational system but yeah. as a as an arable and a vegetable farmer is are there options available? Yeah. I mean unfortunately you know Tim's cows will largely eat grass which is a yeah. perennial species uh, and you know certainly should be grown as a perennial um, in a mixed sward and that's you know that's uh, very close to the ideal probably mm. uh, you know, a mixed forest would be better but it's it's it managed in the right way i mean you know a pure 
a short-term pure ryegrass sward is a little better than a field of maize, but it's uh, but but a proper mixed permanent sward is is uh, you know that's the ideal. You know, unfortunately, with with um, you know ruminant livestock come all the issues around you know methane and, mm. uh, and climate change and, and so on. It's an incredibly um, complex argument, but unfortunately for us, I mean, virtually all the vegetables that people eat are annual species yeah. and they're very weak you know rooting you know they're pathetic actually I mean most <laughs> of them you know they never survive in the wild so they need a lot of tending you know they need a perfect seed bed you know to produce something that looks you know like what yeah. people expect to buy I, you know it's not sustainable I'm glad mm. that you call your um you know, sustainable-ish, is that <laughs> Because there's nothing we do that's sustainable. No. I mean, I put diesel in my tractors. We lost a thousand tons of soil off one field this year. You know, it takes a thousand years to make an inch of soil. I mean, it just, I'm just ashamed of that, you know, and we will, you know, we will take measures to try and ensure that it doesn't happen again. But, you know, I think we just do need to be realistic about just how far globally you know, in the developed and the developing world, just how far agricultural practice is from sustain, being truly mm. sustainable. You know, it is not even close, you know. Yeah. We, and, 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 you know, we are robbing the future of, of, our, of our children, you know, in order that we can eat as much meat as we want and waste 30% of the food that we produce, mm-hmm. and, you know, and continue eating, you know, avocados and strawberries regardless of the season. You know, these things which, you know, are just trivial in terms of the quality of life that they deliver, but are robbing, you know, our, our children of their future. And, and, and I, you know, I, 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 I know we need to live and give messages of hope, but I really <laughs> think we need to be realistic about just how far we are from sustainability in agriculture. You could probably say the same about other industries, yeah. but I think agriculture is particularly bad and particularly difficult to, you know, challenging to find the, the solutions. Yeah. And interestingly, that that goes right back to the health of the soil, which is where the, you know, the Soil Association started and, and Guy talking about the sort of integrity of the soil and the fact that it all this bare soil gets washed away and things that actually we've got to really kind of come right back to to ground level literally and and sort of think about that but what are some of the disadvantages Lee of organic we've talked a lot about the sort of pesticides and nature and all this but are there any disadvantages mm. well I think first of all you you do have to uh, you have to exist in in a food system where arguably you're competing against food which is too cheap food mm-hmm. which is not really washing its face it's hiding the costs the impacts that that guys just talking about there and you know really really pleased to see Last night on the news, the WWF report getting mm. good airplay and for, for the first time in a while that I'm aware of on the national news, this connection being made between natural wildlife loss, biodiversity loss, and our food production systems on a global scale. And as Guy says, it, it, it's, it's catastrophic. It's a significant impact. So we do we are trying really hard to address that in organic we're, we're trying to encourage wildlife trying to get farmers to follow approaches that should at least see less degradation mm. of soil certainly building that soil carbon and, and profile back up but you know, they are competing as i say in a market where there are cheaper alternatives on the shelf next to them and if you don't have a good understanding of what we're trying to desperately trying to achieve here then it's very tempting isn't it to go for the cheaper products and not worry about where the hidden cost is in that uh, the same as fast fashion isn't it like you um, know yeah. there's there's this hidden cost and and i don't know if any of you've seen the the film the true cost you know it talks about the the true cost of clothing is actually in the lives of the workers and the you know and in the the cost to the planet and all that sort of thing and it, and i kind of see it almost exactly the same with you know organic versus conventional food then that there is this this hidden cost as you say that we're just but of course if we don't understand because before I learned about fast fashion, I just thought, well, it must be okay because otherwise they wouldn't be allowed to do it. So again, I guess you kind of think with farming, it must be okay. Otherwise, you know, like the government would be up in arms or people wouldn't stand for this, but it's very well, short-termist. Well, look, Jen, a great example is is the uh, the percentage of your water bill that you pay, which is uh, whether your local water authority is spending a significant chunk of that on extracting nitrate put on the land you know, in wow. large amounts synthetically that's quite difficult to get out of your water it requires a high energy process to extract it and that is a big overhead for for the water authorities so that's just one very specific example and if you were to try and cost into 
products the carbon emissions i'd be willing to bet that organic products would actually be cheaper on the shelf if all products had to Mm. cost that in so there are hidden costs and i think in answer to your original question you know what are some of the other challenges around organic then we we are we are inevitably in some cases going to see a slightly lower yield Uh, and that's something that i you know my experience in organic is often positioned as a reason not to support organic farming you Mm. can't you can't feed the world you're never going to grow enough and i I think that's that's another complex space and when you when you have a very one-dimensional conversation about that i you talk about hectareage and then the amount of food you're going to get from that area of land then it doesn't sound like it's backed up very well but when you start to bring in all the other factors such as diet appropriate land use whether you're growing the right thing in the right place whether the farmer who you're 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 measuring their yield output is an experienced organic farm whether they've had time to build up their soil profile build up the organic matter learn the techniques master them and it isn't easy it is as we alluded to earlier for some farmers it's a sea change in in you know the way that they're approaching farming and they have to kind of forget some of that stuff that they were taught at agricultural college mm. and, and go on their own journey of discovery and so so yeah I, and also when you consider as guy alluded to the, the huge amount of food waste there is mm. the fact that we have according to who one third of the world's population is now officially clinically obese now yeah. that that gives you a sense that this isn't really an issue of volume of food production yes. it's an issue of what we eat maybe eating less but eating better yeah. uh eating the right thing and maybe food distribution, making sure the right people get it because agricultural, the most intensive agricultural systems globally are shown to have impact on local food security where people are literally, their diet is becoming simplified, starchy because they, you know, the the horticultural angle that was part of the agricultural side where you grow stuff for your own family and local community has has all but disappeared in this race for cash crops and mass-scale agriculture. So, it's a complex issue, but we should never look at it in terms of yields alone. We should yes. consider all these other issues like diet and land use, etc., before we make any judgment on that. So somebody might have to volunteer to answer this one. But that argument that, that you just said that, and I hear it quite a bit, that um, if we all switch to organic, we would need more land to produce the, the same volume of food. And that would result in a loss of biodiversity and all those sorts of things. So is it possible to feed a population of 8 billion yeah. or... Go on, Guy. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, that argument, which I have been hearing, I you know, it's all very well for you nice white middle class people mm. to be organic, but it won't feed the world, will it? You know, how many times have I heard that in I 30 bet. years? Yeah, and 20 years ago, I said, well, sod this. I'm actually going to go and see, I'm going to go to somewhere where people are starving and, and see how organic agriculture could work. And I spent quite a lot of time in Kenya, northern Uganda, and, uh, and you know, which at that time was suffering drought and war and people were starving, mm. you know. And I visited some organic agriculture and looked at the agriculture of those countries. Honestly, Uganda could feed four times its population wow. quite easily. You know, the, the agricultural practice is appalling. You know, they're regularly burning large areas of the country quite often to make charcoal, sometimes for hunting, and then leaving it sometimes to regenerate. And and, and it's producing nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, in this country, we have people growing maize to put into anaerobic digesters on a huge, you know, something which is actually environmentally damaging and, and probably is putting in a net terms, more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere than it's saving. Wow. And, and, and um, you know, and on a large scale in the States, uh, this is happening. And yet we're supposed to sort of believe that we've all got to produce more, more, more when mm. we're just, it's, you know, plus the food wastage. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just an obscene corruption of the truth by those who have money to, you know, lobby, be it, you know, GM companies wanting to solve the world's problems with their thing or agrochemical companies, often the same thing now. We're just asking the wrong questions. There is no problem feeding 7 billion people in the world. There would be no problem feeding... 10 billion people we could do it on less land than we have at the moment it's just the reason you know that we are not cutting down amazonian rainforests because organic farmers in the west are not producing enough food (laughs) and that is just absurd and and as a matter of fact in many cases you can produce more organically i mean it's quite difficult in temperate regions but if you go to a you know if you go to those farmers the more progressive ones in uganda uh, one of them, I reckon, was producing 20 times more than the monoculture next Wow. Year. But, you know, 
a, a truly diverse, sustainable system of agriculture can win absolutely hands down. And just to sort of add to that, I think it's really interesting. I mean, like Guy, I've had the privilege of going out to developing countries and, and I can recall vividly a couple of years ago ending up up a, up a, a mountain effectively in Sri Lanka with some forest, organic forest bombers and, and saying to them, why do you guys do this? You know, and through the translator, I'm saying, well, we do this because we used to waste so much time every day going down to the market, dragging the chemicals back up to the land, using them. We know that people get very sick, uh, you know, from exposure to these chemicals. It's common knowledge. And actually, our system, our organic system is more productive, more diverse, more resilient. We've got more time on our hands, you know, in this particular example. They literally have more time to spend with their family, their mm. children, because of the, the sort of the inefficiencies of, of, of chemical-based agriculture, not just in terms of yields, but in terms of the actual farmer's, farmer's time. So there are all these kind of social benefits that start to spin off as well. And, and we can, you know, I could give you examples of farms in the UK that having converted to organic, and I'm sure there's a case with the farms that Guy works with, have actually generated more local employment and more, right. more money in the local community because, you know, it is, there are some parts of that management system that need more labour, but that's a good thing. You know, that, that's something that, that is, in, in one example I can think of, kept the local village pub and shop open because that 120 hectare farm converted to organic and moved from only having two people working on the farm to suddenly having nine wow. and those those bring those people bring their families with them etc so you know we can't underestimate the the, the positive impact it has on people working mm. around as well to change that system and move away from that sort of chemical monetized paradigm yeah now harriet People might be listening and thinking, this all sounds amazing and, and I really have a much better understanding now of why organic is much better for the planet and, you know, if we're people that are making different choices in terms of our energy suppliers and things like that in, uh, to try and limit our own footprint, then it sounds like organic is a really good choice to be making. But actually, I am, I'm on a budget. I think for me, and I'd be really interested to hear what you say on this, Harriet, like this is where the ish comes in. So it's all about, you don't have to go from you know eating nothing organic to your whole diet being organic so you know could you get a veg box once a month could you somebody on one of my courses um decided they were getting six pints of milk a week and they were gonna um actually get a pint less but get five pints of organic for the same cost so there are often ways of kind of slowly making different choices step by step would you agree Totally agree. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a mixed bag. Some, sometimes you will be asked to pay a bit more for organic. Sometimes it's actually not that much more expensive. Mm. Um, but we do know, you know, when, we, when we've when we asked people, we do know that people are prepared to pay a, a bit more because they recognise that it's a positive choice. Um, yeah. And I think massively agree with what, what, what Lee and Guy have talked about in terms of the hidden cost. Actually, mm. perhaps it's the other stuff that's a bit cheap rather than organic being too expensive. Yes. But, absolutely agree that what we're not saying is is you've got to go 100% organic because to be honest you can't even if you want yes, to yeah. you, know, you spend far too much time searching around the supermarket to find it honestly so you know that that that's not possible and I, I absolutely think the better way is to be a bit more pragmatic and say could I swap one more thing and and you know if mm. you think that eight out of ten more than eight out of ten of us are already buying organic products oh, this is a normal mainstream thing and actually it might just be about swapping one more thing in yes. and actually the cost of that is probably very very minimal the, the challenge though actually most of the time is that if you want to do that and you go into your local supermarket and try and find organic often you can't yes. so often there's the challenge you know you go to the organic carrots and can't find them you know you go to the carrot section as you might do if you're looking for organic mm. carrots but you can't find them because the retailer might have made the mistake of putting them in the veg section but round the corner right um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so put the organic carrots in with the with the carrots or bring all your organic products together so that people can find them and browse yeah. and some of the you know online you can do that a lot more easily but equally make sure they're available and mm. you know i went to a supermarket the other day and all i could find was organic eggs and milk in a massive veg section fruit and veg section and no organic at all and you know if eight out of ten of us are wanting organic yeah that's really not acceptable by this by the supermarket so you know we need to encourage them to make make sure that's available and see that as an opportunity to also say 
we also want to make a difference in listing these products. That's really interesting because that's somewhere where we as consumers, so you could quite easily, you know, if you had that experience, just send a tweet to whoever it was and just say, I'm really disappointed to, you know, I was, I was desperately trying to find some organic fruit and veg and couldn't find anything. Can you let me know what your policy is around organic? And, and you know, that will take you less than five minutes. But the more of us that are doing this, I really hope that, you know, retailers and things will, will start to listen. Absolutely. But when we're in the supermarket or wherever we are looking for, for organic, what are the, the labels can be really confusing. Like, you know, we've got, and I know it's not an organic certification, but you know, there's red tractor and there's various different things. Like what are the badges and the logos that we're looking for and what can we trust? Harriet. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to the conversation we're having before about the fact that short answer is the word organic, it's certified. So, you know, whereas other terms, marketers can use lots of different, you know, language that sounds good, but actually you're not allowed to use the word organic on food and drink unless it's legally meeting standards. So, you know, that if you're buying something that says organic on it in a supermarket or wherever, it will meet certain standards on environmental protection, wildlife protection and animal welfare period I think that's really good to know because it's hard to keep in your mind all of the different logos that you need to be looking Mm. for there's a hundred different things on on front and back of pack that can be confusing but obviously as guys talked about there are then certification over the top so there's the EU little green logo which is the EU EU law the little leaf so that's often on pack and that gives you that sort of baseline guarantee and then there's other certifications such as what Lee's talked about which in some cases as Lee has already said go further Mm -hmm. um, and have higher standards because we're pushing it forward so you know that that's um that's one thing to look for i think the other option is also if you're getting frustrated that you can't find stuff at your supermarket you know there are providers you know like lee and online schemes and online providers who actually give you the guarantee of organic because it's all organic because it's part right. of their philosophy so that's another way of making sure that you're you're definitely getting you know you know where your foods come from and you know how it's being produced yeah you guys have a directory, don't you, on the organic trade board of um, sort of organic suppliers and producers and things so people can come and have a look there. Yeah. So, yeah, if you go into goorganicuk.com, there is a um, page that talks about all of the different brands and businesses that are, that are part of the organic. Um, and um, and uh, go and have a look because there's some amazing businesses from, you know, retailers who want to support it to, you know, small guys that have created amazing products in their in their kitchen to, to bigger suppliers who are trying to convert more of their um of their produce to organic so lots and lots of people it's not as searchable as i'd like it to be right okay. now so you kind of have to go into each each um sort of brand and business yeah. individually but we are hoping to make it more easy to find and um, there's also a directory of independent stores um around the country who are, who are getting involved in, in organic september this month and showcasing their organic ranges because they're really supporters generally of organic and local so um that's another thing you can search to find your nearest one online as well so um hopefully some good resources there brilliant can i can i, can go I on guy yeah um <clears throat> if you do if it's got if it says organic in a supermarket or you know from riverford or mm. abel and cole or whatever so, i mean you could be sure that it is you know we have procedures to make sure yeah that it's throughout the supply chain i'm afraid to say if you see it's organic in a, a deli if you see it's organic in a uh, and there's no sign of a soil association or the eu mark on it or on it in a restaurant i would really urge people to ask questions because i'm afraid in those instances there are a lot of people calling things organic that um are not certified if it's not certified it is not organic okay it may be something else it may even be better than organic but it is not organic and because so often you're going to find it just comes from a wholesaler. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry, but just check yeah. you know, where exactly was it grown and just really ask some questions and, and have a, I'm sorry, have a slightly kind of questioning head on your shoulders. And the more of us that can be asking these questions and, and as I said, Terry, you know, just, just sort of ask that question. What, well, why was there no organic in your supermarket? Or, you know, like, can you, can you tell me then? I think it just, it, it raises the profile and the awareness and, and maybe, um, you know, restaurateurs or whatever will be like, oh God, we've had, you know, X number of people this week asking us about this. Maybe we kind of need to be a bit more transparent about this or maybe we do actually yeah. need to... to... Yeah, you know, if people ask, then people like, ask the question, honestly, in, the, you know, another big restaurant in London, very successful... And in the end, you know, I asked all the questions and um, um, Geetie, my wife, is even worse at this than me and it embarrasses our children all the time. But anyway, <laughs> she does. And in the end, you'll go up and they'll then get the manager and, uh, 
and and he'll say, look, you know what? I've been open four years. No one's ever asked. Yeah. And and so the the, the waiter's told you that the chicken's organic. I think that is guy highlights another problem. They, you know, those with all the best will in the world, those those people that are on the front line in, yeah. in retail in particular. I mean, we spend quite a lot of time bringing in people from independent retailers and, and taking them around an organic farm and inspiring them and, and trying to bring to life what this means. Um, I wish I could do that with our whole audience now because I think it would t- you know change an awful lot of minds. Um, but we can't. We, so we try and do this with retail stuff, and it's incredibly important because it really enables them to go back and articulate you know this to mm. consumers when they come in. And I think for many people, particularly those who shop in smaller format stores, you know they they look for that knowledge, they look for that guidance and advice when they go shopping. And and I can remember when I first got involved in in organics many many years ago, going into a dedicated uh, or so called dedicated organic store. And again, I'm not going to mention any names. But the, the manager of this particular store, I I, I love. To play mystery shopper when I when I go out, and say, um, uh, you know what, what is all this organic? What does it mean? And, and she looked around furtively and, and, and leaned in and said, "I'm not sure, but it's got something to do with beetles, I think." Oh. Yeah, I mean, you know that that is it's great that that you know she was able to allude to a very specific. You know, one of the, the tools in our box as, as organic uh, farmers, but but ultimately, it, you know, it's unhelpful if, if uh, you know we all we all need to have to take responsibility in sharing this this brilliant news story about you know people who are taking a different approach and all the brilliant benefits it brings, and you know, just get better at articulating it. Mm, I, I yeah. Think on a positive note, I think. It is <laughs> I don't want to go out for a meal with you guys, by the way. But that's. <laughs> on a more positive, I, I do think. I think that you know there was always going to be people that don't follow the, the, you know the rules, and and that's absolutely not the right thing to do. But I also think it's very positive that people are wanting restaurateurs, retailers, whoever they are, mm-hmm. they're wanting to show that they are thinking about where their food is coming from, and even if they're not actually. <laughs> well, absolutely, and it, it's not right that they that they they absolutely can't use those terms if they're not if, if they're not you know certified and if they're not doing those standards but I think the fact that they are recognizing that they're, they're consumers and that you know the people coming to their restaurant are wanting to know and are wanting these standards is really important and the conversation is coming and it's and it's getting bigger yeah. and I think that's a really positive we should take out of it even if uh, even if they're not always doing it yeah uh, and just to echo that I mean the, we, we are I mean, I take heart in the fact that we are winning. I mean, globally, not just in the UK. I talk to counterparts in Australia, in the US, on the continent. There's an organic Sweden and there's an Australian organic. Um, and the story is the same in all those countries, that the organic market is growing and growing and growing. Consumers are getting it. They're really wanting to vote with the pound in their pocket for something better. Whether their motivation is that they, you know, they sense for their own well-being, this is something they need to do, or whether they've kind of gone that step further and seen the bigger picture you know we really are winning and actually as Guy alluded to earlier on whenever we go through these periods of uncertainty uh, uh, where we're a bit scared or we're not sure what to trust you know we, we are seeing an awful lot of fake information mm. and that's when consumers really do you know fall back to well they do two things they really ask those hard questions about what is this on the plate in front of me where did it come from and also they look for those assurances so yeah, these periods of uncertainty as we're going through at the moment we've seen consumers really starting to sort of switch on even more rapidly to organic at the moment as they seek food that they believe you know is going to be better for their health and also they they just want that reassurance they want more information uh, and reassurance about where their foods come from so yeah, the outlook globally for organic is really positive so is it is it possible because obviously it covers so many sectors to say like what the market share across the board of organic is Lee, I don't know if you've got. Yeah, I mean, we're still we're still quite small, and I think um, we're growing quite rapidly. And the UK is is probably not as keeping up as rapidly as some other European countries, where more enlightened governments arguably have created more funding to support organic. There, there's been a different focus from their governments around agroecology and organic, and the need to kind of address these challenges. So you know, we're still only 1.5 percent of the food market wow. in organic, and the fact that we are quite small is is one of another reason that there's sometimes relatively a little bit more cost in the system but as harry alluded to earlier on it's also because of an awful lot of other things that we we put more effort into in organic but yeah we are we are quite small but we're we're growing uh the last time i saw in supermarkets growing twice as fast as non-organic food wow oh that's yeah, really really I encouraging 
don't be too worried about the averages either because that's averaging out over the whole of you know the, the sector which has got lots of categories where there is no organic at all yeah. whereas actually in some categories you know carrots bananas um milk eggs um mm. yogurt you know you're 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 up in tens but you know carrots i think it's 14 15 percent wow. of carrots are organic um you know there's there's quite a significant proportion um in, in some sectors where people are really opting for that choice in, in milk we're still still five six percent but um in the it, it you look to markets like denmark where actually a third of all milk is organic wow. so and we're not you know we're going in that direction mm. um we follow a lot of of those countries in terms of sustainability so i think at a total level it's still got a long way to go um but in some sectors it's, it's absolutely and as lee say growing all the time steadily for the last decade um so th- 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 this is really establishing and it really is i think set to continue for the future yeah now a couple of kind of consumer conundrums that came in from from my audience and i'm a bit scared of kind of um setting guy off on one again but we'll see how we <laughs> This is the sort of thing that I stand in the supermarket and with my head in my hands when I've not got my, if I've forgotten to do my Riverford order guy, um, saying, is it better when you're looking at, at the shelves to buy non-organic from the UK or organic from abroad? If those are the only two choices that you've got, and I guess that's going to be a really not a, not a nice, clean answer, but has anybody got any thoughts on that one? Well, I wouldn't go to the supermarket in the first place. Yes, obviously <laughs> anyway, we're all getting our insecurities. <laughs> having said that, but... Um, if you really force me to give an answer, I think, well, I would say, where has it come from? You know, if it's come from France or if it's come from Spain mm-hmm. in the winter, you know, as opposed to a UK heat, it's probably better for the environment anyway. Mm-hmm. There are sometimes really good arguments for growing crops where they are happy. You know, if it's been air freighted from Kenya, definitely not. Yeah. You know, so I would say if it's, it comes from Europe and it's travelled by road, yeah, I would go for the organic option. Mm. I suppose probably not for a potato. Right. I mean, if I, you know, if I wasn't in a supermarket and I was, and I knew that that potato had been grown locally, and I was buying it in a local greengrocer's mm. or, and it was un, not wrapped in plastic and whatever, then in that instance, I, I suppose personally, I would probably go for the for the local option. Mm. You know, when we make these decisions, we sh- should have, if we, you know, we should have this sort of balanced scorecard yeah. of all the things you know that, that we're interested in wanting. Uh, to support and I suppose for me I'm not particularly bellicosely Britain I consider myself to be a citizen of the world mm-hmm. uh, I'm also very proud to be uh, British as well but you know I don't I, I don't have a problem with supporting a producer in Spain who's mm-hmm. doing things in the right way and I think I, I just find it really frustrating that there should be some symbol that allows you to know if something's been air freighted because that's sometimes really difficult, isn't it? Lee, can the Soil Association do that for us? Can they make an aeroplane badge and put it on things that have been air freighted so we know? I, I think, you know, out, outside of our remit a bit to, to start <laughs> certifying transport methods. But what I would say is that you know, it isn't a simple no. situation. Uh, I, I suppose in the ideal world, something which is seasonal, local and organic and not bad, you've got this kind of yeah. meeting point of lots of great attributes. But you're not going to get coffee grown in the UK. You're not going to yeah. get tea grown. It's certain things we're always going to have to bring in from, you know, and, and supporting the right farmers, the farmers that we, we believe are doing things the right way in developing countries is, is, is a, you know, a, a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also add that you do need to also think about the energy impact. And I think it's not often appreciated that when you grow something using synthetic fertilizers, there's a massive amount of energy that goes into mm. that. They're converting the natural gas into the nitrate fertilizer. There's huge emissions associated, lots of, you know, lots of energy then used in transporting it to the farm. So some, in some systems of agriculture, and this is why the system's important, you can end up with a bigger carbon footprint uh, you know, before the product's even been put in the ground mm-hmm. because of all the inputs that have been manufactured and transported around so you start comparing that with the impact of transporting something say by sea freight from from turkey yeah. uh, then it you know it isn't always stacking up and the local option isn't always the best but i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna come on this podcast and and, and poo poo local food i think yeah. knowing your producer 
having a connection, being close to them, being able to, as we talk about the restaurants, talk to the person that grew your food. Mm. Isn't it? It's gay, you know, it generates a, a really positive understanding of, of the challenges and, and, and various, and the pre- general appreciation of, of food and, and farming if you can meet the person that grew your food. Mm. I think this is one of the frustrations, isn't it, with, with all things sustainability, I find, is that we want uh, very nice yes or no answers do you know we want to we want to kind of know that when we're doing this and we're doing the right thing but actually it's so complex and it's so um you know there's there is no sort of green and white there's all these different shades of green in between and it's and it is really difficult and some of that will come down to to your values as a consumer and to the you know you work with the information that you've got and sometimes you'll just have to make a decision because the kids are screaming in the trolley and you've got to have something to put on the table for tea tonight like I don't I really don't want people to listen to this podcast go not a clue do you know like um that that we we just sort of open up the debate and let people know where they can come and and find some information and things but guy i know this is something that you will probably have something to say on a question that i got that came up quite a lot when i sort of asked the audience my audience what they wanted to know about organic and obviously a lot of people are trying to avoid uh single-use plastic as well so uh, the vast majority of organic fruit and veg in the supermarket will come wrapped in plastic does anybody know why that is? Well, you know, where if you're looking, you know, you're told to look for the loose stuff so you can avoid the plastic, but then you can't find the organic stuff loose if you're in the supermarket. I mean, supermarkets are faced with a, a problem if they're selling, you know, say this time of year, discovery apples that are organic and discovery apples that aren't, and the discovery, you know, the organic ones are 20 or 30% more. When they get to the till, how do you differentiate that? Yes. And, and, you know, the answer has largely been to um, wrap it in plastic and, and stick a label on it. Mm-hmm. You know, so the plastic is not actually to protect the apples or something. It, it, it's to carry the information to allow the supermarkets yeah. to, 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 to distinguish at, at the... Uh, there may on some occasions be contamination issues as well, but I think that would be... Uh, the main reason, I mean, there is also, there is, you know, uh, in this you know, world, the you know, horribly imperfect world that we live in, if someone's trying to sell something at a premium, they have to sell, you know, tell you why it's got a premium. And, you know, and, and so they have to put information on it. And, and the only way to get, you know, you're not going to write it in a, you know, biro on the mm. bag or you know, you're going to put it in a bag and put it on the bag. And that's, that's how it works. I don't know, people, you know, so much packaging is really for the retailer's mm. benefit. Is, is the truth of it and and you know it's focused you know largely on food but i would suggest you know people when they go to the chemist or the hardware store to take the same you know mm. prism to look through it because i i think actually it's often worse than food mm. uh, you know, there it really is for the retailer's benefit uh you know in, in food it is all you know there is often a, a perfectly um reasonable argument that it, you know it, it's protecting the produce it's stop, stopping the spinach dehydrating mm, mm. you know what's the point in growing that spinach transporting it uh, you know if someone for someone to throw it away at the end i yeah. mean there is there are there are arguments for packaging but it's grossly overused you know we face the same challenges mostly as a supermarket and we use a quarter of the amount that uh, you know on average mm. you know that's been independently verified and, and, and we can use less. There's no doubt about it. You know, we can get even that quarter down to, you know, I think we can probably not, you know, a third of that without any real cost in terms mm. of uh, product uh, quality. And then, of course, there are all the arguments. Um, if you can't sell it, you know, without all that bloody packaging, you know, maybe there's something wrong with the, with the um, distribution chain. Maybe you shouldn't be selling it at all. Mm, you know, yeah. we, get, we take all our packaging back. I consider that to be our responsibility. Mm. You know, if someone can't dispose of it sensibly through their local authority, which is, you know, there are many issues there with so many different, um, so many different rules around curbside collection according to where you live. But, uh, mm. um, you know, we, we take it back and we will compost it or recycle it. You know, we're putting a huge amount of effort into it. And, and some of our packaging, you know, as a result of being compostable, the, the, the plastics that we do feel obliged to use will be compostable, God, within a few weeks, actually. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And that, that you know, that, but it's, um, it's currently um, about four times the price. <laughs> I mean, wow, it really, really? It really is a commitment, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that is, so one of your questions, you know, earlier about you know, the affordability of mm. it, you know, it is... It is unfortunately going to make us, you know, less affordable because it's, you know, not only, you know, yeah. we are doing that responsible thing and, you know, which is something that 
you know, I do, you know, I deeply regret that we are, as a result, probably confining ourselves to a, a wealthy, you know, niche. Yeah. yeah. You know, which is never what I wanted to do when I started growing vegetables. But, yeah, but I, I think on... on that point and I, I meant to say it when Harriet was talking earlier about cost and things I think when we start to factor in food waste at the same time and I think of the stats that is it something like 470 quid or it might even be more like a year is wasted per household in in mm. food waste so if we can kind of really start to you know meal plan and and um it's zero waste week at the moment as we're recording this and they've been talking about food waste and and mm. one of the things was to have this eat me first box in your fridge and things like that so actually we might find that that some of those savings we can make in terms of food waste then enable us to make some different choices in terms of um organic and things like that so i think that's a really mm. important to, to keep kind of pushing home this me- this message around food waste and and the money you can save with that as well but harry if we're looking to 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 make a start you know we haven't really considered organic before maybe we thought it was out of our budget or we didn't see the benefits quite so clearly what are there's there's lists aren't they of kind of dirty dozens and is it clean 13s or something where are the ones that we should that we should really start with yeah so um yeah there's lots of information on on our website and on the soil association website and, and lots of people have written about sort of what are the what are the ones to start with um and uh yeah i mean generally yeah i will know better than me but in terms of things that actually have the skins there tends that that's a very good thing to avoid lots of lots of small skins can carry more of the pesticides but I so think things like grapes and apples and yeah exactly okay. But I think it's also about, you know, what you want to choose as well yeah. in terms of, you know, and, and, that, and that cost consideration and, and where you want to maybe, you know, t- spend a little bit more and where you don't. So I think it's a really personal thing as well about mm. what you might want to choose um, and what you might want to swap. But we're very, we're very keen to kind of absolutely not expect people to try and swap their whole yeah. um, shop. It's just, you know, just if you take nothing else from the podcast, just just swap one thing. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't really matter what it is because, it, you know, you will be making a difference no matter what that organic choice is that you make i guess we've got sort of two roles as consumers one is um you know if if we can you know if we all made one different choice this week in the supermarket wow that would you know be huge and so we can start to to increase demand i guess for organic as consumers but also that that we've talked about quite a bit in terms of the role of uh, as our voices and using our voices to to ask questions and to sort of call for change and things like that and i think we sort of underestimate the power that we have but is there are there any other ways that, that we as consumers can sort of get involved and can play a part in sort of pushing organic? And, and I guess for me, it feels like this role of organic in the climate crisis hasn't been talked about as much as maybe it should have been. Um, so is there anything that we as consumers, maybe just a quick tip from each of you guys, how we can help? Yeah, I would say, as you as you said, really, Jen, just, you know, learn a little bit, get a bit geeky about it. It's really fascinating, like soil, like who knew? It's really, really interesting. So, you know, there's so much to learn and to talk about. And I think that the conversation, perhaps certainly in food over the last five years, hasn't been massively about that. It's maybe more about, you know, meat-free or, or, or plastic and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, things change and things evolve. And I think we're actually evolving into a new conversation, which is about more where your food comes from and the impact that it's having on the environment so you know get involved in that and 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 make some different choices and tell people that you're making it and and absolutely demand that of your of your supermarkets and of your food suppliers as well um that that it's a it's a very simple change some of the changes that that we need to make in our lives can they're quite tough to do yeah um this is fairly easy so i would encourage everybody to just as you say just make that one swap brilliant Um, if you do nothing else yeah guys obviously we all need to get our Riverford veg boxes. <laughs> um, anything else from your perspective, I guess, as a, as a producer that, that we can be doing? Well, you'd be a pain in the arse, really, I would say. And, um, you know, ask those difficult questions. And even us, you know, we, you know, we need a kicking sometimes. To be honest, we were a bit slow on the plastic thing, I think. And when we started being kicked by our customers you know i'd love to say that you know we try and do the right thing anyway but sometimes you know it helps to be kicked in that direction and and that certainly helped us you know make that decision about the compostable plastic but more significantly it helped us um just get rid of some of the packaging which i'm rather ashamed to say was probably more for our convenience Mm. than for the benefit of the product so yeah be and so carry that forward do the same at the supermarket you know, ask difficult questions, dump your packaging there. When someone says it's organic, when you go out, really ask those difficult questions. You know, is it really, where does it come from? Mm. 
I mean, the other thing that I always encourage people to do, and this is definitely not in my self-interest, this one, but is to, is to someone, even if you've just got a balcony or a windowsill, just mm. grow something yourself, some parsley, some coriander, maybe a little bit of rocket if you've got a bit more space, you know, a bit of spinach if you've got a bit more space, a courgette, you know, the vegetables that keep on, you know, you can cut them and then they keep on mm-hmm. growing, not the ones that you just cut once and they're finished. And that act of being involved with the soil, I, I, I really think, I, I see how it changes people's approach. It does also, it makes you more tolerant of, yeah. it doesn't all have <laughs> to be cosmetically perfect. I mean, honestly, people come out around the farm and they'll eat stuff, they'll eat anything, you know, the stuff yeah. that they would, you know, reject in the supermarket and even reject in their veg box. So it makes you more tolerant of the realities of this is a natural process. Yeah. It doesn't all look absolutely perfect all the time. You know, if the, the parsley starts yellowing, you might even start wondering, oh, I wonder if there's something in the soil, whether the soil's quite right or, you know, whether, you know, so, and, and it just opens in a sort of mindset, which is all leading towards this thing of we are not, you know, sitting on top of nature, we are part of it. And, and I think if we all get that mindset, you know, we will become you know, more willing to make the changes and sometimes the sacrifices, but I don't think it is always sacrifices, you know, mm. to, to, to live in a greener world and, and, and be less, you know, consumers and yeah. more citizens. Yeah. That, that reconnection piece, I think, is really important, yeah. isn't it? I interviewed Cal Major for the podcast, who's a, a stand-up paddleboarder and um, does a lot around ocean plastic and things. And, and that's her big thing. You know, we, we only protect the things that we love. And so we're so disconnected at the moment from the sort of natural world. And obviously, we all had this chance during lockdown and everybody, you know, there was this great hope that everybody would fall back in love with nature and things. Well, but we're no, back in- no, Wendell Berry was on the um, Today programme, I think, anyway, on Radio 4 couple of years ago and he did say something about not being afraid to use the word love I mean love is the motivation to look after the things that we Mm. care about and 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 you know and we're not we're embarrassed to do it at the moment you know most of us love nature you know let's not you know when we're hurting nature it should hurt us Mm. you know we should really feel that in our guts yeah not being ashamed of our emotions not being willing not, you know, not being, you know, to talk in those terms, I think it's very important. It's, you know, a love for our planet is, is definitely part of that correction and our fellow human beings. Yeah, definitely. Lee, you've been sat there listening to everyone else going, oh God, now what am I going to say? Because they've all taken all the top <laughs> they, tips. They have. They've <laughs> taken all the top I mean, I'm, I'm definitely just going to really echo what Guy said. I mean, I've been involved in the organic movement, working for Soil Association now for two decades, and I've only recently started, I'm ashamed to say, to to grow my own food in, a, in any kind of a, you know, serious manner uh, at my local allotment. And I think I've got about 40 different things growing wow. at the moment. And this has been kind of partly inspired by lockdown and my, the time that I have to be close to it and give it the attention and care that it needs. And I think it's given me a huge appreciation. It's taken my level of appreciation. You know, I've, I've surprised myself that it's taken it to another level. And, and as those who know me will know I'm already very passionate about the whole thing anyway. But I think, you know, going into my little modest polytunnel with my arms, with my little brush ready to, you know, pollinate my cucumbers because they're not pollinating as I've learned. And then realizing if I just leave the flap open for 10 minutes, the bees are in there doing it for me anyway, and I can put my brushes away. You know, the, the, it's just, it's just this wonderful, it's given me this wonderful appreciation, not only of, of the sort of, you know, the detail level, getting my hands ready, but also, I dare say, you know, I often wonder if I if I start growing my own, will that make will that make people like Guy Cross because I won't need to buy his vegetables anymore? <laughs> I think I, I hope Guy would agree that it, it, it's given me such a great appreciation of the the challenge mm. of growing your own. And when things go wrong for me, it gives me a newfound you know appreciation of of how what a brilliant job some of these farmers must yeah. be doing to be able to produce what they do. In addition, being a, we're all citizens, we're all involved in this, in being voting and being part of a, yeah. a, a movement for a better food and farming system and a better world where we use land properly and we make responsible choices. So I would echo uh, what Harriet said, you know, it's Organic September, just if you only go and buy a couple of things organically mm. that you didn't before, do give it a give it a go. It will make a big difference to yeah. to those farmers out there. And it might sound like we we've, we've made it quite complex today, but 
that's one of the reasons organic exists because it's there to simplify quite a lot of this stuff for you if you care about animal welfare if you care about wildlife conservation if you care about the challenge of of of, of climate change then organic is ticking a lot of those boxes mm. for you so you know you're making a choice that's, that's going you know some way towards addressing those and finally you know, if you believe that that this is the right direction then write to your MP yes. and put some pressure on those people that make the policies. They have the power to hinder or, or help organic farmers mm. and those people who really are trying to make a difference. So put the pressure on them as well. Yeah, you touched on that a bit before when you talked about in, in Denmark and things, they have more progressive policies. So actually, you know, as well as our sort of bottom down consumers demanding this, we it sounds like we do need some sort of different policies from government, but we could go into a whole different spiel about that. And um, I just have this vision of you, Lee, at your allotment with a Soil Association stamp, just like every courgette that's coming out, you're like proudly putting a little stamp on it and taking it. Oh, I'm not allowed to do that, Jen. I don't, I don't have the necessary power on my own to do that. Uh, but, but no, I think in... in there is no like cheating the system. Largely organic, yeah. yeah. But again, it's not. It hasn't been as easy as I thought it would be. And I, uh, I know I can't emphasize enough what a, uh, an appreciation it's you know, a newfound appreciation it's given me for for, for horticultural growers. Brilliant. Um, right, very quickly, everyone, tell us where we can come and find out more about um, your organisations. Um, Lee, where can we find the Soil Association? www.soilassociation.org. Pretty straightforward. Brilliant. If you go into that web uh, address, you know, website, you're going to find a wealth of information. Uh, everything from how you as a citizen can become more engaged in that in that better world uh, right through to the slightly more tangible stuff like where where are my nearest vegetable box schemes mm. where can I go and buy them so yeah www.soilassociation.org brilliant Harriet uh, yeah website googanicuk.com uh, social handles whatever they are uh, <laughs> organic uk um, so you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram perfect and guy can you remember yours <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're hard to find riverfoot.co.uk and uh, yeah God knows well on social media but yeah and um, yeah no it'd be lovely to sell you some vegetables we've been and visited because you have like you say you have these sort of farms around the country and and mm. Um, probably not maybe not this year but we've been to some brilliant Riverford pumpkin days at the the one in Hampshire with the kids and done digging for worms and all those kinds of things yeah. so it's really nice to well one of my one of my tasks I actually do grow the pumpkins on, oh, on the farm. <laughs> and uh, you know I'm afraid all the plants were ordered before Covid and uh, yeah so we do have thousands and thousands of pumpkins which we're just starting to harvest this week actually and uh, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do with them all. I think you may be getting a suggestion that you might buy one with your veg box rather than coming to a pumpkin day. Yeah, okay. Brilliant. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. This has just been so interesting. And as you say, we've sort of dived into some of the complexities, but I guess that the kind of take home messages are to swap out just one product if you can during Organic September and beyond um, and to, to kind of ask questions and to keep digging and, and finding out more but that organic really does have a huge amount of potential in terms of looking after the planet as well as our own health so I think that's kind of the take-home message hopefully but thank you all so much for your time you've been brilliant thanks Jen thank you, thank you. ish you wonderful sack of loveliness with me jen gale hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old gray matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably do let me know what that is i love to hear about the changes that people are making big or small every single one counts if you've enjoyed the show and i hope you have do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. <laughs>